Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.48 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is April Fool's Day. Do not be fooled. Anything you read on Bird App or anything else today is just going to get you in trouble if you believe a single word. This is one of the worst days ever for social media. So be aware if you are reading stuff right now that you're going, what the hell? It's probably because you don't realize that April 1st in the United States, and now it's been adopted in many countries across the world, is in fact April Fool's Day where we apparently revel in lying our asses off to each other. So just I'm just saying heads up, bro. Heads up. This is episode 567 of Bitcoin and Michael Saylor has something to say about El Salvador bonds. But before he does, if you want to support the show, a five-star review on Apple iTunes works. It really works to spread the show, and I want the show to spread. Everybody needs their news. Not very many people want to sit down and read it. God knows I didn't, which is why I created the Bitcoin and podcast. Um, if you don't want to do that and you want to give me Satoshi's podcasting 2.0 also works very, very well. Uh, you can use the fountain app, uh, Sphinx chat app, breeze wallet. There's uh, many other, many other, uh, podcasting 2.0 apps. You might want to search for them. If fountain app doesn't do, uh, do it for you or breeze wallet. Those are my two very favorite things to use for listening to fellow Bitcoin podcasters and boosting them and streaming them Satoshis, which go directly to their lightning node. And you don't have to do anything but load your wallet and set it to stream Satoshis at one, two, five, ten 10 Satoshis per minute for anybody that you're listening to. You don't have to do anything other than select the show, hit play, and allow your wallet to stream Satoshis. That's it. And it's all really intuitive in all these apps. No special addresses, no pasting of RSS feeds, no nothing. If you search for Bitcoin and podcast on Fountain app, you will find it. You can subscribe to it. You can start streaming it and you can start streaming me Satoshis and that's it. You don't have to do anything special. I also have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast. If you want to use dirty, filthy fiat. Now let's see what kind of bug Michael Saylor's got up his butt. Financial markets are not quite ready for Bitcoin bonds by Tom Mitchell Hill from Cointelegraph. MicroStrategy CEO and Bitcoin permabool Michael Saylor believes that traditional financial markets aren't quite ready for Bitcoin-backed bonds. Saylor told Bloomberg on Tuesday that he'd love to see the day come where Bitcoin-backed bonds are sold like mortgage-backed securities, but warned that the market is not quite ready for that right now. The next best idea was a term loan from a major bank, of course, and he bought, you know, he had macro strategy buy $205 million worth of Bitcoin 
which uh, with with a loan that he got from Silvergate Bank, and that is an FDIC insured bank that has an account with the Federal Reserve. That's important to note. Continuing on, the remarks came two days after MicroStrategy's Bitcoin-specific subsidiary, MacroStrategy, announced that it had taken out a $205 million BTC collateralized loan to purchase even more Bitcoin. This loan was unique as it marked MicroStrategy's first time borrowing against its own Bitcoin reserves, which are currently valued at approximately $6 billion to buy even more Bitcoin. Saylor's comments also follow El Salvador's recent decision to postpone the issuance of the $1 billion BTC-backed volcano bond on March the 23rd. According to El Salvador's finance minister, the decision to delay the bond was due to general financial uncertainty in the global markets, driven by, you guessed it, the conflict in Ukraine. In a potential warning to El Salvador, Saylor said that the country's volcano bonds was somewhat riskier than his company's Bitcoin collateralized loan. Quote, that's a hybrid sovereign debt instrument as opposed to a pure Bitcoin treasury play. That has its own credit risk and has nothing to do with the Bitcoin risk itself entirely, end quote. Saylor added that he remains extremely bullish on the long-term potential for Bitcoin-based bonds, going as far to say that it would be a good idea for cities like New York to use Bitcoin as a debt instrument. Quote, New York can issue $2 billion of debt and buy $2 billion worth of Bitcoin. The Bitcoin is yielding 50% or more. The debt costs 2% or less, end quote. Since its initial $250 million BTC investment in August of 2020, MicroStrategy has now amassed a substantial 125,051 BTC, which at current prices of 44,547 equates to $5.5 billion. MicroStrategy has made a series of separate BTC purchases using the company's cash on hand as well as the proceeds of sales of convertible senior notes and private offerings to institutional buyers. Sailor's actions have gradually transformed MicroStrategy into a partly leveraged Bitcoin holding company with shares closely correlated to the price of Bitcoin. So there you go. And by the way, those senior notes that they were talking about, the MicroStrategy senior notes that were issued was basically debt instruments uh, against their investors. So the investors had the choice to say, you know what, I'll, uh, I will buy these bonds from you. And essentially the money that was paid for those bonds is kind of like a, like a personal loan from each individual investor. And both times that they did that, they were hugely oversubscribed, which meant they sold more than they were planning on selling. So that's always a bullish tone to take. Now we get into the bearish tone. You guessed it. I got to talk about it. It's the EU parliament shooting themselves in the head, in the chest, in the foot, kneecapping themselves, tying a rope around their neck, throwing themselves off a freaking bridge. I mean, it's amazing. But the EU parliament has voted for Bitcoin privacy busting rules. This is Namcios writing for Bitcoin Magazine. The European Union lawmakers voted on Thursday in favor of a de facto surveillance regime for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency transactions as the region seeks to gather identifying information on transfers between private and self-custody wallets. The EU Committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs and on Civil Liberties Justice and Home Affairs voted to extend anti-money laundering requirements that currently apply to fiat payments of over 1,000 euros or about 15 or no, uh, $1,115 US to the cryptocurrency sector. 
However, the rules scrap the floor for payments in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, so parties of transactions of any size would need to be identified. The rules also crack down on wallets whose private keys are held by the fund's owner, usually referred to as a self-hosted or self-custody wallet, and require cryptocurrency firms to keep track of those transacting cryptocurrencies beyond their own customers. The move could have some tangible, worrisome consequences. Brian Armstrong, the founder and CEO of Coinbase, shared his concerns on Twitter about the new rules ahead of the vote, calling it an anti-innovation, anti-privacy, and anti-law enforcement proposal. Quote, every crypto transaction, and not just those with a 1,000 euro threshold, as is in the case with fiat, would be travel rule eligible, Armstrong tweeted yesterday. This means that before you can send or receive crypto from a self-hosted wallet, Coinbase will be required to collect, store, and verify information on the other party, which is not our customer before the transfer is even allowed, end quote. <clears throat> Bitfinex CTO Paolo Ardoino today echoed Armstrong's comments, reiterating that the legislation entails heavy security risks and privacy violations, quote, requiring crypto service providers to collect and verify personal data related to self-hosted wallets, transfers, raises major data and privacy concerns and represents a big step back for human rights, Hope the Econ Committee will draft a text that would incentivize innovation, transparency, as well as consumers' protection in the EU, Arduino tweeted. EU ambassadors in December agreed on a mandate to negotiate with the European Parliament on a proposal to extend the scope of rules on information accompanying transfer of funds of certain cryptocurrencies. Requirements for cryptocurrency transfers between service providers and self-hosted wallets were then introduced. Quote, Today's agreement is an important step towards closing the gaps in our financial system that are malevolently used by criminals to launder money or finance terrorist activities. Ugh, pausing just to say, get some new material, people. Crypto assets are more and more at risk of being exploited for money laundering and criminal purposes, and I'm glad the council could make swift progress on this urgent proposal. End shitty quote. Contrary to common belief, however, Bitcoin is not criminal's best tool for the job. Blockchain analysis company Chainalysis co-founder Johnny Levin explained to Senator Elizabeth Warren earlier this month that Bitcoin's transparency makes it pretty hard for nefarious actors to conceal their activity and enables companies like his to work with law enforcement to trace funds with illegal origins. Furthermore, the usage of BTC in criminal activity is also not elevated. The phenomenon has been accounting for an ever- smaller share of total cryptocurrency activity, recently reaching 0.15% of total transaction volume, according to a chain analysis report. The proposal voted on today by the committees still needs the approval of the parliament and the EU council to pass into law per a CoinDesk report. Let's read that very last line again, in case you missed it, because this is really important to note. The proposal that was voted on today by the committees still needs the approval of the parliament and the EU council to pass into law. So as it stands right now, it's not actually law, at least according to Nomsios. And what we saw yesterday was an extreme drop in the price of Bitcoin because as the world turned, and I, I mean, you could, you could almost watch it. You could watch it on the chart. <clears throat> Get the hour, 
get the hour chart and look at the red bars as they go across. And what you notice is that as people wake up in every single time zone and they read about the news, their very first reaction is to go and sell their Bitcoin. Yeah, don't do that. That's, that's a bad move because honestly, who gives a shit about the EU? Well, the EU gives a shit about the EU, but honestly, the world's a much, much larger place than what the EU has to say. China, for its landmass as well as population, dwarfs the EU, and they banned everything to do with cryptocurrency. You can't mine it, you can't transact with it. As far as I know, you can't even have it. And yet, Bitcoin persists. So there are a few more comments about this issue from a Cointelegraph article written by Brian Quarmby entitled, Crypto Industry Fires Back After EU Vote to Block Unhosted Wallets. <clears throat> the crypto industry has reacted strongly against a European Union Parliament Committee voting in favor of regulatory packages for tighter know your customer uh, and anti-money laundering rules for unhosted private wallets. The new guidelines would require crypto service providers to verify the identity of every individual behind an unhosted wallet that interacts with them. And the, we already did the, the uh, Brian Armstrong one. Let's get into one of these other ones. The proposal was part of an amendment to the transfer of funds regulation that was voted through by the Economic and Monetary Affairs uh, and Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs on Thursday. For the new rules to be enacted, they must be passed via trialogue negotiations between the EU Parliament, the European Council, and the European Commission. And if they remain unopposed, it would give the crypto industry nine to 18 months to come into full compliance with the legislation. The chairman and CEO, Pascal Galther of digital wallet firm Ledger, didn't mince his words either, stating that the EU Parliament shows fear over freedom. Quote, a new regulation was just voted on that paves the way for a massive surveillance regime over Europe's financial landscape. End quote. <clears throat> the regulatory, regulatory news appears to have had a significant impact on the price of Bitcoin, with the assets price declining 4.5% over the past 24 hours to sit at 45,243 at the time of writing. Uh, Shitcoin One was also down 3.7%. European decentralized finance firm Unstoppable Finance lamented the news, expressing hopes that proposals will get shot down in the upcoming negotiations. The amendments are a huge setback for crypto in the EU and should be repealed in the trialogue, the firm said. Unstoppable Finance's head of strategy and business development, Patrick Hansen, also took to Twitter to vent his anger, calling the proposals a big disappointment and a big threat to individual privacy. Quote, it introduces unfeasible wallet verification requirements and unjustifiable reporting requirements for crypto companies that would have massively detrimental effects for EU citizens and companies alike. End quote. He noted it would be difficult if not impossible for crypto service providers to verify an unhosted counterpart and warn that to stay compliant and not compromise their legal position, some companies might want to cut off transactions with unhosted wallets altogether. Others, smaller ones, might find the potential operational cost of compliance way too expensive, leaving it to the bigger established players, which would cause a further market consolidation. We call that a regulatory moat, ladies and gentlemen, a regulatory moat. Might want to Google that to get the parameters of that. However, Hansen also noted 
that he holds optimism that the rules could be at least watered down in the trilogue negotiations as some commission slash council members have voiced criticism about the regulations. Oh, thank God somebody up there's got some sense. So it's not a law yet. That's the whole takeaway is that we're not there yet. It is through its committee. That's all. And it's got to be approved by not one, not two, but three other councils. And they very well may do it. I fully expect them to do it because the EU has just turned into, well, it's turned into China. And, and they really like the Chinese model. God, I don't know why. I, 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 well, I guess I do know why. They hate us and they don't want us to live. They scorn us at every turn. And I'm talking us by us. I mean, you're regular every day walking around the, you know, walking around the park with their kid pleb who goes to work, tries to do a job, tries to enjoy it, comes back home and does everything that they can to be with their family, do all the things. And apparently we're all just useless eaters. Apparently that's, that's all we are. Well, nobody would be a useless eater had from time immemorial that history has been able to record of human action. If we haven't been throwing walls up and making caste systems and, you know, I'm richer than you. And I'm not talking about redistribution of wealth and you're more than welcome to keep your shit. But the whole idea of people being able to leverage all that wealth against humanity itself because they don't like us, that is evil. That part of being that extraordinarily, extraordinarily wealthy is, that's the evil part is that they're physically leveraging that wealth and that power against regular people not just Americans, but everybody across the world. If it hadn't have been for the IMF and the World Economic Foundation or Forum or whatever, <clears throat> and a couple of other central banks, Africa wouldn't be in the shithole that it is today, nor would Central and South America and several Eastern European countries. I, I really believe that. So rant over, let's get on to this one. Proposed bill would require stable coins to be backed by dollars and government securities. Jeff Benson tells us more out of Decrypt. Remember the whole hubbub about Tether only kinda sorta being backed by the US dollar? Two legislature, legislators, Representative Trey Hollingsworth from Indiana in the House and Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee in the upper chamber have introduced a bill designed to make sure that that's never an issue. Again, the Stablecoin Transparency Act would require stablecoins to be fully backed by a combination of U.S. dollars and government securities with maturities of less than 12 months, like bonds. It would also legally compel issuers of stablecoins such as Circle and Tether to regularly publish audited reports demonstrating their reserves. Quote, from whether coins are securities or commodities to who is in charge of regulating them, those in the cryptocurrency marketplace are navigating significant ambiguity, says Senator Haggerty, empathizing with consumers eager to know that their funds are safe. Stable coins are crypto assets pegged one-to-one -one with a fiat currency and often the U.S. dollar. But the New York Attorney General's office took Tether to task for spreading this perception, stating that, quote, Tether's claims 
that its virtual currency was fully backed by the United States dollar at all times was a lie, end quote. Instead, when Tether ultimately issued reports in 2021, they showed a sizable chunk of reserves in cash or cash equivalents, such as money market funds, as well as substantial holdings and secured loans, bonds, or crypto investments. You know, we call most of that shit paper. While some of these investments have helped Tether turn a profit, they could make the company less liquid in case of a digital bank run. Moreover, a decline in the price of Bitcoin or other crypto holdings could reduce the value of the company's reserves below the circulating value of USDT and potentially torpedo the price. Circle, the company that partners with Coinbase on USDC, is the second largest stablecoin behind USDT, that's the Tether coin, in terms of market capitalization. And last year it came in for criticism that as of July, only 61% of its holdings were backed by cash or cash equivalents. But by August, it had announced that it would only use cash in short-term government bonds similar to the requirements in the Haggerty-Hollingsworth bill. This October, an attestation from accounting group Grant Thornton showed this to be the case, and Circle today announced it would hold its roughly $50 billion in reserves in megabank BNY Mellon. Senator Haggerty contends that while the Stablecoin Transparency Act is about consumer protection, the bill won't put stablecoins in the hands of, quote, unaccountable bureaucrats who threaten to choke off innovation, end quote. That is, if it ever gets a vote, both chambers of Congress are controlled by Democrats. While there's a bipartisan interest in getting cryptocurrency regulations right, the duo will likely need some support from across the aisle to get a committee vote. Yeah, they will, because they're both Republicans. That are The guys that are introducing this bill are both Republicans, and the size of the rift between the two parties in American politics right now is about as large as I've ever seen it. Actually, I, I think it's larger than I've ever seen it. I, we, we're, we're, at a, we're at some kind of weird impasse here in, in politics, if that's what you want to call it. It's also known as the clown show. But just because the hatred between the two parties is so strong, even though Democrats may actually like the stuff in this bill, they'll torpedo this one just because they hate the Republicans and then possibly just steal the language, write their own, and, and get it passed. But all this shit has to happen before midterm elections. Because the way it looks right now, uh, midterm elections are going to be a bloodbath. There's a lot of Democrats in both the House and the Senate that are going to step down, i.e. retire. And I mean a lot, enough to swing, swing the potentials uh, just by that alone. But then you got kids going out, you know, this one kid, and I can't remember his name, He's been going out to gasoline stations, I think, in Florida and signing up people to vote. And he's clearly a Republican. So this is kind of weird. And this this bill will probably not get passed. But if not this one, it'll be the next one. And if not that one, it'll be the next one because they're never, ever, 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 ever infinity going to stop. Why? Because they hate us. They're the people that have erected all the walls that have caused humanity not to be able to attain one one hundredth of its potential because of greed. Just saying. Now, 1031 partners with CT for powerhouse Bitcoin infrastructure investment initiative. Sean Amick has it for Bitcoin Magazine. 
Bitcoin investment companies CT, that's S-E-E-T-E-E, and 1031 announced a partnership meant to strengthen infrastructure and development of the protocol by investing in projects, companies, and founders within the Bitcoin ecosystem. CT will become 1031's lead investment partner while each company maintains their own investments. Having invested in over 20 Bitcoin companies collectively, furthering the development of open source projects through grants and direct investments, their collaborative efforts are set to drive innovation in the space. Quote, we're delighted to establish this partnership with CT, which is based on shared values and vision for the space and an ultimate trust in working with high quality people of the highest integrity, said Grant Gilliam, co-founder and managing partner of 1031. The venture partner alumni of 1031 includes quite a few notable names. Among them are Marty Bent, author of Marty Bent's or author of Marty's Bent, a newsletter discussing the technical and cultural whirlwinds of Bitcoin, and host of Tales from the Crypt, a similarly focused podcast. And Matt O'Dell, a Bitcoin and open source advocate, host of the Citadel Dispatch Show, and co-host of Rabbit Hole Recap. The importance of note uh, God, sorry guys. The importance of notating involved investors in the venture cannot be understated as CT falls under the banner of the industrial investment company known as Asker, which has historically focused on oil and gas, renewable energy and green technologies and other related environmental or industrial uses, meaning Bitcoin was for the most part not the focus. CT was created under the Acker banner in 2021 so that they could specialize within the Bitcoin ecosystem. As they partner with reputable investors in the space, it allows would-be investors of their projects to know the cumulative shared values of its participants. Quote, there is strong long-term alignment between the two organizations and we couldn't ask for a better strategic partner than CT, said Jonathan Kirkwood, co-founder and managing partner of 1031. So what was not noted here is that CT, uh, at least I don't think it was noted. Let me make sure. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, okay. Asker, CT is a spinoff from the company named, not Asker, Acker, A-K-E-R. And yes, while they are historically focused on oil and gas, renewable energy and green technologies and other related environmental industrial uses, what was not said is that they are not an American company. I believe that they are Norwegian, I think. And they started out a long, long, long time ago as a fishing company and somehow or another got involved in offshore oil and gas. So we have an international connection now between the guys over at 1031 and Acker at, through CT. And if I, if I remember right, Der Gigi, I think that's at Gigi, uh, works at uh, CT. I think. I'm not exactly sure about that. But be that as it may, it's time to run the numbers. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use, cnbc.com, futures and commodities. Uh, oh, wait, before that, uh, if you hadn't heard, apparently yesterday at some point, the two-year bond and the 10-year bond interest rates inverted. So you were actually making more interest rate off of a two-year bond than you were off of a 10-year bond. And the reason that's important is that that is a signal of recession. It hasn't always been that way insofar as every single time that that inversion happens that we go into recession. But more often than not, the United States economy has indeed entered pretty bad recessions when this thing gets inverted. 
Now, as far as I can tell from a couple of tweets that I saw today and, and also a couple of graphs that I saw today, that inversion has ceased. So I don't know if that's the, uh, what, what, what do we call them, the uh, plunge protection team coming in to save the day somehow or not. But as of right now, we don't have an inversion, but it flashed. So just be aware that that is a signal for recession. Okay. West Texas Intermediate is down scant to $100.19 a barrel. Brent North Sea is up a third at $105.22. Natural gas is up scant to $5.64 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline down scant to $3.14. Gold is down a little bit over a point to $1,934. Silver is down almost a full point to $24.89. Platinum is up 0.17%. Copper is down almost a point. Palladium rallying 2.52% to the upside. Agricultural futures are mostly down. Biggest winner today is coffee again, 1.08 to the upside. Biggest loser is corn. Oh God, you would have to do that shit to me, huh? 2.2% to the downside on corn. Anybody else? No, yeah, chocolate has lost 1.77% of its price. Uh, Dow up scant 0.05, S&P up 0.02, NASDAQ down 0.17, S&P mini is actually rallying a bit, 0.77% uh, to the upside. Real money having its trouble, $45,414, 295,000 Bitcoin transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. That's 12,298 transactions per hour on average. Almost 1 million BTC changing hands in that 24-hour period, which is 41,000 Bitcoin being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 3.34 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.015 BTC or about 662 bucks. Block times are pegged right now at exactly 10 minutes to zero seconds. 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and wow, 20 and a half BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We have a 2.52% rise in hash rate still under 200 to 198.0 exahashes per second and your shitcoin indicator has fallen as well. 13.7 United States pennies for the dog coin. 7,293 transactions waiting on seven blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $867.3 billion, which is 6.82% of uh, shiny metal rocks market cap. And if you want shiny metal rocks, you can use your one Bitcoin to buy 23.6 uh, ounces of them. And we are about to flip into 19 million Bitcoin territory, ladies and gentlemen. This will happen sometime today, I think. Sometime today, maybe not. Maybe tomorrow, because it, we have 18,999,704 BTC in circulation. 3,642 and a half of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $166.4 million, being run over 19,779 nodes, sporting 84,888 payment channels that we can see. 74.7% of all of that is being run over Tor and it's associated 11,684 nodes that we know about. That's gonna do it for Vitals.
Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Russian energy minister urges to legalize Bitcoin mining, quote, as soon as possible. Bitcoinnews.com, and who's writing it? Rustin Watt is the author of this one. Russia, a country rich in natural resources, may resort to Bitcoin mining in order to alleviate the consequences of United States sanctions. According to Russia's deputy energy minister, Evgeny Grabchak, the legal vacuum in Bitcoin mining must be filled. He stated that it would be more effective to pick mining areas for miners regionally rather than at the federal level, and that this should be managed by regional development plans rather than by the federal government. Holy crap. Almost sounds libertarian. <laughs> Quote, the legal vacuum it makes it difficult to regulate this area and set clear rules for the game. The legal vacuum needs to be eliminated as soon as possible. If we want somehow to get along with this activity and we have no other options in the current reality, we must introduce legal regulation, adding the concept of mining to the regulatory framework, Grabchak stated. Russian State Duma member and Energy Committee Chairman Pavel Zavalny also offered Bitcoin as a payment alternative for energy exports to friendly nations in a recent interview. During a news conference on Thursday, the chairman of a Duma committee suggested that Bitcoin may be one of the payment options that Russia could accept in exchange for oil and gas and other commodities. Russia has been sanctioned, but it is still able to sell gas to the West in exchange for rubles and gold and to friendly nations such as China or Turkey in exchange for either's national currency or Bitcoin, according to Duma Deputy Pavel Zavalny. In his remarks, Zavalny, head of the Duma Committee on Energy, said that if people want to purchase, they should pay in hard money, which is equivalent to gold, or pay in whichever way is most comfortable for Russia, rubles or gold. In addition, quote, the set of currencies might be varied, and this is standard procedure, so you can also trade Bitcoin, he said further. It is possible that Zavalny's comments were the catalyst for a significant increase in the price of Bitcoin during the previous week. According to Russian President Vladimir Putin, Russia will stop supplying gas to purchasers from unfriendly countries unless they agree to make payments in rubles starting April the 1st. <laughs> That's today, by the way. <clears throat> Quote, to buy Russian gas, they need to open ruble accounts in Russian banks, Putin said in a speech on Thursday. Quote, it is from those accounts that gas will be paid for starting April the 1st. If such payments aren't made, we will consider this a failure by the client to comply with its obligations, end quote. He signed a directive forcing nations that have placed sanctions on Moscow to create Russian bank accounts in order to pay for natural gas imported into their countries. I got to pause. I'm sorry, I have to pause on this one. Not only, see, because this is news to me about the Russian bank account issue. Um, I don't know if it's true because BitcoinNews.com, I mean, I, I, you know, it's hard to vet the the media industry surrounding Bitcoin as it is, right? We're we're all nascent, we're all new. We may be talking out of our ass, and we just don't know it. We we'll learn, we'll grow up, we'll mature. It'll be fine. But right now, you gotta take everything with a friggin' grain of salt. However, I will say this: if this shit is true, Putin's got a sack the size of New York City, man. I. I I know I'll be like labeled as a, as a Putin sympathizer, but I got to give credit where credit is due. If he's forcing people not only to use rubles, but to open bank accounts that are in Russian banks in Russia 
to hold those rubles, you got, I'm, come on, man. I mean, how can you not just kind of go, holy shit? Because that's like, we've placed sanctions on Russia and yet he's allowing people to open accounts in Russian banks by itself without anything, without knowing anything else. That's, that's huge. That makes him look, I don't know, magnanimous in a way, even though he's not. I mean, the guy's a dictator. Let's, let's, let's be real. Still, I think this is funny as shit. He's forcing people to use his currency, but only from banks that are Russian banks and they have to open accounts. And yet all the people that are going to be doing that are the people that are levying sanctions against Russia. I'm sorry, man. Got to call it like I see it. That's huge balls, dude. Huge balls. For gas payments, continuing on, Russian banks will take foreign currencies and convert them into rubles at their discretion. This is the latest strike in a long-running dispute with Europe over energy sales, challenges to dollar hegemony, and history in the making intertwined with Bitcoin. What we are experiencing and witnessing today is what may be referred to as the currency wars in the future. It makes sense for a nation like Russia to sell its most desired exports in a fixed supply asset Bitcoin, which happens to be the hardest money ever created or discovered. This allows Russia to benefit as the U.S. and EU struggle to handle borderline hyperinflation with regional de-dollarization and a possible end to the petrodollar system. Following the weaponization of the SWIFT system, as predicted, Bitcoin is exploding. Bitcoin is on nearly every nation or region's radar. The signal is spreading and the world needs an incorruptible money separate from the state, any state. The blowback from the weaponization of SWIFT has left the world reserve currency in a fiat value crisis. Get your popcorn ready, your sats off of exchanges and locked down into cold storage. The currency wars are here. Bitcoin was built for this and we'll end with this uh, tweet from Epi Whisperer. Uh, epigenetic whisperer says if you wish to destroy a nation first you must corrupt its currency admitted no wef infiltrated global globalist western democracy ever fiat currency equals war bitcoin equals peace freedom bodily autonomy and protection i am divesting myself heavily of the matrix and entering the real very well written i like that one Pretty good. Regulators may decide Green Ridge's Bitcoin mining fate in June. Decrypt.co's Scott Cipollina, who kind of hates Bitcoin, is writing it. The New York Department of Environmental Conservation would make a final decision on whether to renew an air permit held by Green Ridge Generation, a controversial Bitcoin mining farm in New York on June the 30th, 2022. <clears throat> the deck which oversees the amount of greenhouse gas emissions Green Ridge is able to admit or emit each year, has advised the mining firm of the need for additional greenhouse gas mitigation measures to meet the requirements of the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. The DEC also said that on March the 25th, 2022, Green Ridge proposed greenhouse gas mitigation measures for its facility in Dresden. The regulator added that it has not yet determined these measures, nor has it yet taken stock of about 4,000 public comments surrounding Green Ridge's mining activity. Green Ridge Generation has found itself at the epicenter of the controversial or the controversy surrounding Bitcoin mining's impact on the environment, and the DECs, the DEC, 
decision to renew or not renew the firm's Title V permit may have wide-reaching consequences for the industry. Yeah, only in New York, Scott, only in New York. The most interesting development would be to see the impact across state lines, Alex DeVries, a founder of the DigiEconomist website, told Decrypt, quote, we know that states can have wildly different policies, but this could be the start of a trend towards more adverse regulations elsewhere. If you want to be poor, sure, go ahead. Green Ridge obtained its Title V permit to mine Bitcoin in 2016. Without a successful renewal, the company will no longer be able to mine Bitcoin at its Dresden facility. Last March, the company submitted to the DEC a package of documents in support of its application to renew its existing permit. In that package was a letter seen by Decrypt, which specified the legal maximum emissions the company's Dresden facility could legally produce, which is 64, or sorry, 641,000 tons of carbon dioxide equivalents per year. This in turn amounts to approximately 708 million pounds of burned coal. 116,000 homes, average electricity per year, and over 1.5 billion miles driven by an average passenger vehicle. Green Ridge's activity has prompted fears that the Dresden facility threatens New York climate goals, obliging the state to generate 75 or 70% of its electricity from clean energy sources by 2030 and 100% by 2040. Yeah, good luck with all that. Green Ridge has also been causing a controversy in and around Seneca Lake, the lake adjacent to Green Ridge's Dresden facility. For example, the Cuca outlet, a stream that feeds into Seneca Lake and serves as a drinking water resource to thousands of people has witnessed sharp increases in water temperature. Quote, we're seeing this as a growing problem in our lake, which is a drinking water resource for over 100,000 people. Yvonne Taylor, vice president of the non-governmental organization Seneca Lake Guardian previously told Decrypt. So there's Scott Cipollina's that he his bias is that he hates Bitcoin because he's one of these greenheads that think that there's there's no correlation between green energy usage and Bitcoin and he's wrong. He's just flat wrong. And that whole Seneca Lake deal, we talk, I talked about that shit last year. I early 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 last year and probably at late later in the year before that. Uh, yeah, that there's, they kept saying that the lake was rising in temperature and it's only like this small, very small portion of the lake that's been rising in temperature. And it's always by the Dresden facility, not because of Green Ridge, but because the Dresden facility was always a place that needed to use water to cool things as it generated electricity for the state of New York. All right. So Scott has this bias and he needs to get rid of it. He's a really good author though. I mean, when, when I read his stuff, it's very well written. It's just that his biases are so fully injected into everything that you don't really know what the truth is. And that, you know, in my opinion, a good journalist not only should write well, but a good journalist should actually tell the truth, at least in an unbiased way. You can have your biases. You can. One of the reasons why I, you know, will, I will read shitcoin news every once in a while because it affects Bitcoin and everybody knows my biases. I make no bone, I make no bones about it, but if my biases were really, really hardcore, I would never read anything about any other shit or any shitcoin ever, 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 even if it had anything to do with Bitcoin. But I have to, because if it's going to impact Bitcoin, then you need to hear what these people are saying about it. So I try. I don't always succeed, but God knows I, I give it a I give it a hell of a shot. Now let's continue on. Octa Pharma, 
launches pilot to get paid in Bitcoin for plasma donations. Uh, guys, stay if okay. I don't want to tell you to stay away from plasma donations. Plasma is needed. It's good. It's good that we have donors. My problem is that the way that the plasma clinics are marketed and how many of them there are, and in some locations you see several within a you know a, a certain area. In my opinion, they kind of feed off of the poor, and that's like a vampire of this uh, of of industry. I mean, a true vampire sticking a needle in your arm and taking your plasma and giving you money for it. I was at the hospital one day with, uh, I needed to go to the emergency room for something. And the person in front of me at triage would look like shit. And I mean, was she was like, oh, she was like in her sixties or something like that. It looked like shit, felt like shit, didn't know what the hell was going on. And the woman behind the triage desk said, are you donating plasma? And if so, how often? And she said, yeah, I, I donate plasma like once a day. And she's like, the look of horror across this woman's face at triage was like, don't do that. If you want to donate plasma, that's good, but you don't, don't be doing it you know, every single day. It's killing you. I mean, so guys, be careful with the plasma donations, okay? But be that as it may, we got fish to fry here. Octopharma Plasma a U.S.-based pharmaceutical company that collects plasma for life-saving medications, has partnered with Swan Bitcoin and Spade Payment Solutions to allow individuals to get paid in Bitcoin for donating plasma. The partnership allows plasma donors to receive $100 of Bitcoin for their donations up to twice a week in a pilot launch across 32 locations per a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, this is a way to consistently stack sats if a person donates twice a week, they can legitimately stack $10,000 worth of sats in a year, said Court Harrington of Spade Payment Solutions. Gonna pause. I don't like this. I don't like that Swan Bitcoin is involved with this. Twice a week is a little high. I would rather see them go to, we'll, we'll do that for you once a week. I, I may be wrong. Maybe you can get away with twice a week, but honestly, man, that's kind of feed, that's feeding the vampire. And it's kind of breaking my heart a little bit here. Anyway, donors need only create a Swan Bitcoin account or provide the email associated with their already existing account to the representative at Octopharma. This allows the representative on location to select Bitcoin as the default payment method going forward. Octopharma uses this information to create a profile in which the email is stored on file, allowing donors to simply present their name or email address upon return. Oh, joy. That's KYC right there. Rare chronic and hereditary diseases are treated through plasma donations and immunodeficient patients rely on regular treatments of plasma while the supply has steadily declined over the years. Peter Jaworski, a researcher and associate teaching professor from Georgetown University, explained that, quote, the cause, in fact, is a decline in plasma donations of 20 to 25% in the United States as a result of the pandemic. The issue becomes exacerbated when one realizes the magnitude of which American donations affect the total supply. As Jaworski continued to explain, quote, the United States provides 65 to 75% of the source plasma used to make plasma therapies like immunoglobulin for the whole world. 
God, the whole world is feeding off the American public, whatever. Bitcoiners have a unique opportunity to showcase why pharmaceutical companies should integrate Bitcoin as a payment method for donation services while serving a greater community at large. Not only can initiatives like this change the lives of many people that find themselves in need, but donors can simultaneously showcase the demand of Bitcoin while filling personal coffers. Quote, the support of the Bitcoin community is vital to show businesses that engage with Bitcoin is a smart business decision. Harrington said, says in the release, if projects like this take off and show results, other businesses won't be far behind in implementing all sorts of Bitcoin related offerings and promotions. Spade Payment Solutions focuses on integrating Bitcoin with donation based businesses while Swan Bitcoin enables its users to get paid in Bitcoin purchase. Uh, paid in Bitcoin, purchase Bitcoin with ease. Octopharma hopes to list the locations of the pilot on their website in the near future, but a simple phone call to a local facility will let you know if the location is participating in the pilot. Again, ladies and gentlemen, be very careful with plasma donation. Your body has to build, has to make this stuff. And it's a metabolic, what am I trying to say here? It's a her. Herculean metabolic task to build proteins like the immunoglobulin set. Uh, immunoglobulin is a protein. It, uh, it does stuff, but we'll just leave that there. To build protein takes metabolic energy because you're attaching amino acids to each other. And that takes an input of energy. Where's that energy come from? Well, the food you eat, the fat stores you have on hand, the sugar in your bloodstream, and that's why the woman in front of me was exhausted. She was being bled dry because she was donating plasma every single damn day. Don't do that. I know the world needs it. And it's, you know, it, I know what I'm saying may clash with what you want to do. But it's sort of like putting the mask on your own, over your own face first before you put the mask on the child in an airplane wreck. If you don't get the mask on the child, because you're running out of oxygen, then you both die. If you can get your mask on first and get oxygen into your bloodstream, then you have a much better chance of restoring an unconscious child to full health by getting oxygen into them because you're able to do it. But rest assured, if you start with the kid and not yourself, you may save the child, but the chances are greater that you will both die in your chairs. Right, that's you have to measure donation with your ability to further donate to the world. You have to be able to do that as a metric. You have to be able to go, okay, I'm doing it twice a week. Uh, I feel a little down. If you if you're feeling down after you know uh, several plasma donations over the course of a month, you're donating too much plasma. Again, I know it clashes with you know people that may be listening to this, to their desire for to help and that they need money. But if you lose all the oxygen, you're not going to be able to help anybody later. I'm just saying, keep that in mind. Although, is it good for Bitcoin? Of course it's good for Bitcoin. And Van Eck says that Bitcoin could hit $4.8 million a coin if it became the global reserve asset. Brian Neuer has it for Cointelegraph. American investment firm Van Eck 
believes that Bitcoin has double the upside of gold and could be worth as much as $4.8 million per coin if it became a global reserve asset. And that's a big if, of course. And Van Eck thinks the Chinese yuan is more likely of a contender. Oh God, I hope not. The lofty assessment for BTC came in, a thir in Thursday Insights piece written by Van Eck's head of active EM debt Eric Fine and Chief Economist Natalia Gurashina, who attempted to compare the price implications for gold and Bitcoin if either were to be adopted as the backing for global currency regimes. Van X analysis found that the implied price for Bitcoin ranged from 1.3 million to 4.8 million. The lower prediction was based on BTC as a monetary base like M0 which investment database Investopedia says includes all circulating supply of currency and bank deposits, but is not a common marker for economists to look at. The higher prediction came from the more common M2 assessment, which Investopedia considers to be a measure of the money supply that includes all bank deposits with the currency and its ability to be converted into cash. In their assessment of gold's per ounce price, Fine and Gurashina leaned more toward the M0 price prediction of 31,000 an ounce as a reliable starting point because a very big number of central banks have little or no reserve gold. The lack of deposits skews the M2 prediction to a much higher and less reliable $105,000 per ounce of gold. Recent geopolitical unrest has already led Russia to consider using different currencies, including Bitcoin, to transact for oil with their friendly partners, China and Turkey. The trend could apply to more nations, central banks, and likely see the United States dollar dominance take a hit. Fine and Gurashina believe that the Chinese yuan should be considered the top prediction for a new reserve currency, but nations will probably reshuffle their holdings no matter what. Quote, Central banks are likely to change their reserve mix to the detriment of the dollar and euro and yen and the enhancement of something else to the extent of or to one extent or another. As a result, some central banks and private actors will be diversifying their reserves in quote. The analyst urged readers to bear in mind that the predictions are merely starting points for investors to formulate a framework of how to value gold and BTC in the extreme instance either becomes a global currency. It noted that there are alternatives such as a finite real estate, infinite equities, and even emerging market currencies that could serve the function of gold or BTC. Van Eck has a stake in the cryptocurrency industry with a Bitcoin strategy exchange traded fund or an ETF, which is a Bitcoin futures exchange traded fund that has $30.1 million in total net assets. The firm also recently filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission to launch a new ETF that focuses on gold mining and crypto mining companies. All right, unpopular opinion here. And no, I'm not trying to make an April Fool's joke. I promised you that I wouldn't. Think of this scenario. You know, lots of Bitcoiners are at odds directly with people like Peter Schiff. I mean, I've said some pretty, pretty gnarly shit to Peter, but I actually have a lot of respect for him because he's been in the industry for a long, long time. And he's seen the manipulation of gold markets, you know, and, and has been subject to them for more than, well, longer and, and more intimate than anybody else in, in the world, probably. In either event, <clears throat> what happens? If gold does become the world reserve currency and not Bitcoin, the problem here is that you can't transport gold easily. But 
what if Bitcoin and gold become pegged together? I'm not saying gold pegged to Bitcoin, and I'm also not saying Bitcoin pegged to gold, but a, but a bilateral peg of gold to Bitcoin and Bitcoin to gold, because at least then you'd be able to send money around the world. I know this is very unpopular. Even I don't like saying it. However, as a Bitcoiner, I'm kind of, it's kind of necessary to figure out, you know, uh, what, what do we call it? Um, you know, people trying to fuck with you. Uh, adversarial. If, you, if we can't think adversarially as to what bad things could happen or what might not be good for Bitcoin, then we can never really realize what we need to do to figure out what really is good for Bitcoin. However, I could see this something like that happening, but Bitcoin would still be in huge demand because nobody wants to transport, you know, hundreds of thousands of kilograms of gold. At least not all the damn time. What if it was a situation where like once a year and you never knew, really knew, you know, like, one, I don't know, once every 18 months, somewhere in that six months uh, on the other end of the year, Russia then sent pallets of gold representing the conditions that have changed through the transaction of Bitcoin to another country to put that gold into that country's vaults to represent what, how much Bitcoin that they got. I'm just saying it's not impossible for something like that to happen. So just be thinking along those lines. Is it good? Is it bad? If it is bad, how and what to do about it? And if it is good, how can it, you know, in what ways is it good and how can that be facilitated to the benefit of, of Bitcoin? All right, just throwing that out there. Don't, y'all, please don't, don't kill me. Um, let's see, what do we got? Oh, this is going to end up being really long. So I'm going to go ahead and end up uh, finishing the morning roundup right here. It's Friday. It is time for a joke. Dad says jokes. We started a band and called it Books, so no one can judge us by our covers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Falling down on the job there, Dad. Okay, uh, it's Friday, and like, let's kind of recap some of the things that we, we talked about. Uh, I really think it's important to think about this issue with Russia and China and their gold reserves. Because if we think of gold as nothing but a threat to Bitcoin, I don't think that's going to work. And if we think of Bitcoin as a threat to gold, I don't think that's going to work either. I really think that it should that it behooves us to start thinking about a relationship between Bitcoin and gold. But it has to be to the benefit of Bitcoin. I don't really necessarily give a shit if there's a debt if if something ends up being a detriment to gold. Right now, there's an asteroid that we're pretty damn sure has four or it's either four or 400 times the amount of gold that has ever been dug out of the earth. And it's in the, it's, it's just in, it's in the meteor, uh, the meteor belt, which is just outside the orbit of Mars in, in my lifetime, unless I get hit by a bus, you know, if I live to like, you know, 85, 90 years old, we're going to have that asteroid. And we're going to start ejecting chunks of it into low earth orbit so that they can be collected or flat out just make sure that when we, uh, here, here's, my, here's my scenario. Nobody's going to go out to this asteroid 
and and tow it back to earth okay that that's not going to happen the amount of fuel and energy that you're talking about to do that shit is probably beyond the scope of the fuel and propulsion systems that we have on available on earth at least at this time even if you were to strap a nuclear you know a thermonuclear detonator on this thing and just kept popping nuclear detonations because that is a a, a theory for an engine even then uh, that's probably not going to happen however what's probably more likely is that you can go mine not only the gold asteroid but the other asteroids around it and be able to refine fuel uh, just enough fuel to hurl a 50 kilogram rock of gold towards earth and we know orbital mechanics well enough that we know if we shoot at a certain direction at a certain time then that thing will enter the atmosphere and land somewhere in the pacific ocean and not kill anybody all right this is i know it sounds crazy but this is just the way that i'm thinking about it so at that point you set up a mining rig on the asteroid the gold asteroid you start pulling 50 50 kilogram chunks out of the ground you got like basically what amounts to a freaking cannon and you fuel it with very close asteroids there you know and meteors that have some kind of i don't know hydrogen in it all i mean you're going to be able to find that stuff then it becomes very very cheap to bombard the earth with chunks of gold and it be, it could be very very fast too i'm saying that we could be inflating the amount of gold that's here on the earth with well within my lifetime to the tune of millions and millions and millions of tons of gold per year right and if that happens you've got gold debasement and here's the thing about gold it's only scarce on earth but in the universe and specifically like in, in a more local terminology in our own solar system gold is a lot more abundant than you think there's a shit ton of rock out there i mean in the asteroid belt on mars just those two alone the amount of gold that is probably there because these things venus uh, mercury venus earth mars and the asteroid belt and not the asteroid belt the meteor belt they all formed from the same material so if you think that only gold only exists on earth you are indeed fooling yourself there's uranium there's plutonium there's silver there's copper there's gold there's steel well iron there's all manner of stuff because we were all all these these inner planets to the rocky meteorite uh, belt all formed from the exact same material and if it's on earth it's on venus it's also on mars and it certainly certainly is in the meteor belt we will be able to get there and somebody somewhere is going to come up with a not so harebrained idea as i got to be able to excavate that gold asteroid and there will be more by the way, it's not just that one. That's the only one that we know of, but there's more. I, this is one of the reasons why I just believe in math and proof of work to force that math to be in place at all times. If we, if we allow Bitcoin to move from proof of work to proof of stake, then all is lost. And this is, goes back to one of the things that every once in a while I talk about. How do we impart to our children the importance of making sure the consensus rules of Bitcoin are always there. We're doing it right now because we live, breathe, and die by this shit. Well, what about our kids? 
how do we impart the importance of proof of work to children? And I'm not, you know, well, we'll just send them, make them work. Okay, well, that really doesn't, I don't think that's going to be all that it takes. It's going to be like philosophical discussions. People are going to have to read, you know, write children's books. We're going to have to have, like homeschoolers are going to have to start talking about, you know, talking to their kids about just proof of work and why it's important. And we've lost all this stuff. And this is why we find ourselves in this really weird you know, downside of an extraordinarily decadent society. And it ain't just the United States. We're talking like everybody in the West, anybody like in well, Australia, New Zealand, the EU, Canada, United States, parts of, you know, Dubai and the Middle East and shit like that. Man, we are, we're screwed. We're screwed. Well, we're screwed up. We have to do a lot of work to get out of this. But that's if we're thinking about just this generation. How do we impart the importance of the consensus rules fortified by proof of work of a monetary system to the next generation? How the hell do I even approach that conversation with my 12-year-old daughter who's, horm who's being hormonal because puberty is setting in? How do I broach the subject with my nine-year-old son? How would you do it? We'll let you ponder on that for the weekend. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.